When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Bonds are looking to get outside of Bond. Le Bondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls preview podcast supported by Phantom Bruco. Well, it's been another positive week in the world of Reading FC. You can listen to our full podcast cut summarising our 2-0 win during the week against Port Vale. But we are looking forward to our match against Shrewsbury Town this Saturday. And to help me talk through it, it is Mr Scoop himself. Yes, it is James Lenshaw of the Reading Chronicle. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Paul. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, lots of uh, stuff going on, but I will not go into that because that will just bring everyone down with sheer boredom. But um, yeah, what were your thoughts on the game on Tuesday? Yeah, I thought it was a very, very League One performance. You know, we did what we needed to do. It certainly wasn't pretty. Uh, And the first half is probably up there with possibly some of the worst we've played um, in the first half, coming so soon after arguably the best we've played in that first half against Portsmouth. Um, but second half, you know, we created chances at will and it looked like it was going to be one of those games where we weren't going to take them. Um, but, you know, Lewis Wing pops up with one of the best goals I've probably seen live. And in the end, it looks quite comfortable because Port Vale just kind of fall to pieces after that first goal. And yeah, a, a really big win. I asked this on, on our other podcast, but I'm going to ask you it now. Who wins goal of the season right now? Because we've had some crackers from Femi Aziz. We've now had some really good ones from Lewis Wing. Which one would you say is your pick for goal of the season right now? Uh, it's going to be hard. Um, there's a couple of Femi ones that stick out. Obviously, the is it the first, the second one against Peterborough when he just comes mm. in and volleys it? Um, that was a nice one. And obviously, the the volley he got against Charlton was another another good one. Um, so, yeah, probably one of those two for me, just because of the difficulty of the ball dropping down as opposed to Wings coming off the floor. Not the Wings one wasn't difficult and the way it sat up and he seemed to know exactly what part of the ball to hit to make it kind of do what it did. I mean, he's one of the best technical players to watch, Lewis Wing. I saw on Tuesday, so he has a different part of the foot that he uses to do different passes and to do sort of like different weights of the ball and, and the kind of way it moves. And like if you just watch Wing for the 90 minutes, He's one of the best players to watch in terms of just his technical ability. Uh, he's way too good for for League One, I'd say. I'm amazed that he's still here with us. Um, but yeah, so currently it's one of the Femi ones. But there's still time if someone wants to lodge a late a late run in the last 13 games, and someone can try and take that title. Yeah, I mean, I'm fully up for a better goal <laughs> than the ones you've seen from Lewis Wing and Aziz because 
They've been some absolute bangers already, haven't they? I mean, it's hard to work out which one it is, but it's lovely having like a positive mood and the club being in a, you know, I know that we lost at uh, Portsmouth at the weekend, but overall it's been a really cracking last few months, hasn't it? Yeah, on the field. On the field's been great. You know, it's almost, almost kind of quieting things down off the field, uh, which we don't want. Obviously, we still want pressure and, and talks off the field um, but it's just been nice going into matches and not expecting to get beaten every week um, and actually expecting them maybe to to win although I don't say it too loud in case it doesn't come true but you know expecting to go into games to win and, and actually winning the games we should be winning rather than kind of losing or drawing them as we would have done in previous years we've gone into these games that are supposedly must win or, or must not lose and we're not losing them so um, yeah it's been very positive obviously slowly pulling our way to safety um, and yeah, you know, don't worry about a thing. Oh, I like it, James. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Bit of Bob Marley on the podcast. <laughs> a lot of respect for that. So, I mean, you look at the rotation that we're really seeing at the moment. It seems to be Craig, Savage. That seems to be the main kind of issue. I know that Ruben said after the match that Craig had a little bit of a problem with his thigh, but... I don't know. At the moment, I think I would probably put Savage just ahead of Craig. And they're the slightly different players, but I feel like the team's playing a little bit better when he's on the pitch. Yeah, I think Savage is a better technical player. Um, and if you're playing a game in which you can afford to have, you know, three fairly like-minded attacking midfielders and not have to worry so much about having someone sitting, um, which, you know, most home games for the rest of the season, we should probably be looking to do that. Um, he's got a great range of passing and, you know, he's normally always one of the top runners in the team in terms of uh, distance covered. Um, he's still young and obviously still plenty of improving to do, but, you know, he's promising and he's a real asset there, um, as Craig is. But they're just, as you said, difficult, different players. Away from home, I can see why Craig gets preferred in terms of just sitting and breaking play up and, you know, no, nothing spectacular, but, but winning his tackles and passing it on to, to maybe the more technically gifted ones going forward. Um, but no, for me, it's got to be Savage starting the, the home games and, you know, really dictating play. Yep, I think so as well. I mean, I, who knows whether we're going to change the team on Saturday, but I would probably start with the team that started the second half. Mm. You know, I mean, what do you think? Would you go with that, James? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the team that I think we'd get the best out of. Shrewsbury aren't in the best of form and it's a game we should be looking to win, really, just to, just to put a bit more daylight between us and, and the bottom four. Um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, we didn't look very eff effective at all, really, with Craig on um, in the first half on, on Tuesday. Um, but we looked much better in the second half. So we'd um, like to think that Ruben would have seen that and, and maybe thought to adapt it. Yeah, when you think back to all the drama around Ruben Sellers and his decisions, his tactics, you know, his lineups in the first 15, 16 games of the season, but it was trauma around the whole of the club. And he was making some... Uh, baffling decisions as well let's not dress this up and trying to do revisioning here but um it's now amazing when you see it and you think it doesn't get questioned that often now and it get questioned by a few people but there's not a mass question of every single substitution he's making because he's just you know he's grinding out the results isn't he i mean grinding's a little bit harsh actually it's a little bit more than that well exactly you know win games and you can't really be questioned too much uh you know, I think he's still getting a few weird eyebrows over over the fullback changes, although he didn't make one on, on Tuesday. But it would appear our fullbacks aren't capable of playing 90 minutes. Um, but, 
you know, other than that, I don't think they can be questioned. I think the good thing about having such a small squad is that there aren't that many other options to have, really. I mean, the main one's obviously Savage or Craig. Um, other than that, what else really is there that you can you can look at? We've got our main striker. We've got the midfield that kind of picks itself in terms of the attacking players. And at the minute with injuries, we've got four at the back. Uh, that That's about all we can do. There's maybe question marks over whether Button should have a rest or not. Um you know, he didn't have a great game at Portsmouth, but I thought he was relatively okay in the in the build up, um, sort of the few months before that. So I think it would have been harsh to drop him on on one performance. Um, so you know, I, I think it, it's worked. You know, as is was it Copple that used to say with um, you know the one hundred six team is that it made it look like he was a good manager when actually he didn't really have many choices when he had those four strikers to choose from. I think it was only two games he ever had to pick between the four of them, and the rest picked themselves. So you know, you haven't got to be a good manager; just a lucky one. Comparisons to one hundred six team. We've gone big here. <laughs> we have gone big. But let's get onto the game on Saturday against Shrewsbury. What is your prediction for that one, James? And um, look, if you're going to say draw, I'm going to ban you from the podcast. That's all I'm saying because <laughs> you are such a fence sitter on this podcast. Is that all it takes? Oh, I wish you told me that ages ago. I would have known. <laughs> uh, no, I. It's head versus heart again, isn't it? You can tell I've had too many years watching Reading play. We should be winning the game, but my head says we're going to win it. My heart just thinks we're going to screw it up again because I think that's what we always do. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 win. Um, I think we should be capable of winning the game. And then you're going into into the um, sort of... You've come away from that busy game of fixtures looking pretty damn happy with it, to be honest, with only not one defeat in that and having gone away to Stevenage and, and, and won that kind of game. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go two one, but um, you know who knows. I'm gonna say three one. I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling that at some point we're gonna break out and we're gonna go past that two goal, and I just want to be there for it. So hopefully that happens on Saturday. Um, I'll be astonished if we don't concede because it's really hard for us to go multiple games without conceding because <laughs> it's just something that will happen. But. Thanks a lot for listening to this part. Matt will now be talking to a Charlton fan. Charlton fan? Oh, my goodness. I got so close to the end there, didn't I? A Shrewsbury fan uh, from the Salupcast podcast. Oh, dear. You should ban me from the podcast, don't you, James? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the second part, obviously, of the Elm Park Rules preview podcast. We are now going to take a look into Shrewsbury Town, the visitors to the Medeski Stadium this weekend. To do so, I am joined by a very special guest and joined by Dan from Salopcast. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good, Matt. How are you? All good. Not too bad. A bit bit rosier at the moment on the Reading FC front, which is always nice. Nice to be talking, nice being upbeat. Um, so, yeah, let's have a look at Shrewsbury Town. Um, the last game we played was an interesting one. It was quite amusing, I think, for neutrals, for Reading fans, probably for Shrewsbury fans as well, because it was a... Well, it was a pretty dreadful game, I think, to be honest, on all fronts. Shrewsbury weren't looking like scoring. Well, we might have scored another, but to be honest, it was away from home. And then and then the 90th minute came about and all hell broke loose in the in the box. Che Dunkley getting one. Um, I can't just remember who got the other one, but... It Jason Shrahal, yeah. Jake, that was it. The it other was, central defender. Yeah. Yes, yeah, two central defenders from two, two corner kicks. And that left a 3-2 win. That left Reading FC that day 10 points adrift in the relegation zone. Things have changed a little bit since then. And there's been a lot of change at Shrewsbury Town. Matt Taylor was the boss then. He was sacked 
though, obviously five games ago after a run of one win in seven games. Dan, talk us through really the Matt Taylor era because lots was said about it, goal scoring wise, etc. What went wrong under Matt Taylor? Well, the highlight of the Matt Taylor era was undoubtedly the last four minutes of that game against Reading. I mean, if you're a football Mm. fan and you can't enjoy that sort of bonkersness when you win, you'll never (laughs) enjoy any game ever because we didn't really deserve to win that game. And yet somehow or other, we, we, we did. And one of the things that came out of it, we were running up to Christmas and we were still able to say 20% of all of our goals that we'd scored that season were in injury time against Reading. So you can see how big the goal scoring problem was. Matt had got away with it because we mastered the art of either winning 1-0, the Reading game accepted, or getting smashed. And mm. so we were, we were picking up more points than I think we deserved. But Taylor's Taylor's sort of spiel was that he was going to play a bit more football than we were used to under Cottrell. We're going to keep the ball a bit more. We're going to try and be a bit more creative. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. We might as well have sent our midfield home for most of the games under Matt Taylor because they never touched the ball. They'd got neck ache from looking at it going over their heads. And the feeling was, it's not just that we 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 were struggling on the field, but long term, this didn't really have any sort of perspective. We, 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 were, we were 14, 15, 16th in the table and we didn't really know how we got there. We didn't feel we felt we deserved to be there. And slowly but surely, the, the, the walls descended in on, on Taylor and we had a bad run over Christmas. We lost at Cheltenham and we're awful. We lost at Burton and we're even worse than awful. So slowly but surely, uh, faith in Taylor really did really did ebb. And I don't think there were too many people crying when he was when he was dismissed. Having said that, he's a young coach, you know. Young coaches make their way. Um, he may well come back somewhere else and, and do a bit better. But it, it really did feel like it was the right time to, you know, to get him to get him to move on and to bring back Paul Hurst, who is um in some ways a messiah because Paul Hurst has a has a previous life at Shrewsbury and we're hoping he can bring it that back a bit of that back with him. Absolutely. Bringing Paul Hurst back um obviously was really the kind of the the man that nearly took you back to the championship um finished third i think it was um, it was yeah. in, in 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 that season was it 20 was it 2017 i think 2018 yeah. yes yeah 17 18 where he took you guys um there obviously fantastic time with you guys win percentage of 48.5 percent at shrewsbury town which when you think of you know shrewsbury town with the greatest of respects in league one that is a fantastic, fantastic return yeah. for a manager at Shrewsbury. Um, was it an expected kind of appointment? Obviously, sometimes you get these wacky left field ones, but Paul Hurst hasn't had as much success since leaving Shrewsbury. Obviously, he had his times at Ipswich, Scunthorpe, Grimsby, which none of them really worked out. But well, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure I go with that completely. Ipswich didn't work out, but Ipswich mm. were in, in in a you know in a downward loop and and they ended up of course in in league one as well um mm-hmm. he did very well at grimsby you know mm-hmm. he, he got grimsby out of the conference um and he, he you know they they grimsby fans are still very fond of of paul hurst from what i can imagine i think that the backdrop for us is that i mean hurst is not going to get any other league one job mm-hmm. i don't think his cv is strong enough for, for that for that to be merited but at shrewsbury we remember that he came in in 2016-17 we were in a not dissimilar position to what we were when he arrived this time round, he kept us up, and then of course the next year was one of those once in a generation seasons where we we narrowly missed out on on promotion to to, to Wigan. Who of course spent a fortune and went bust the year after, in effect, as teams do, um, which, which is somewhat annoying because Shrewsbury might be many things, but we don't we don't speculate to accumulate like clubs like Wigan have in the past and Blackburn, you know, another strong side who went up. So so Hurst's 
Um, Hurst is well respected at Shrewsbury. We were quite pleased to have him back because he's a known quantity. We know what he likes to do. And even though results have not been phenomenal in the first five games, there are reasons for that. And we've not been playing... Well, we've been trying to play a bit of football and playing a bit of football with some method. And I think town fans are, are still pretty happy with, with Hurst being here. We just need to, to, to translate a few of those better performances into some wins. One of the key things he's also done, um, managers often come in, shake up formations. One of the big things under Matt Taylor was playing that three, five at the back, whatever you want to call it these days. Everyone calls it different. It's either three or five. Um, He's changed that to obviously a standard four, two, three, one. Very bog standard, effective. Know what you're going to get with it. Was that what he was playing last time at Shrewsbury when he was with you, took you to the playoffs? Well, I think he prefers a 4-3-3, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but like most sensible managers, you've got to look at the players you've got. And there's no good having a, a system that you like if the players don't seem to fit it. And I think 4-2-3-1 is, is, is certainly a system that looks better. It feels better. We've got a, a, certainly an extra player in the middle of the park to, to try and you know keep the ball a bit more. And with Dan Adair up front, he, he, he will naturally act as that one. I think, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we went to a 4-3-3. We have done that a little bit. Um, but I think on Saturday, you know, probably those two holding midfield players will be will be at the, the centre of Hurst's thinking. But I think most town fans are are pretty happy that we're not playing. I mean, let's, let, it's five three two when we play it, Matt. You know, I know three five two is what the purists <laughs> say, and I don't dislike three five two as a system actually. But um, it was five three two. We didn't have enough people in front of the ball, and for that reason, we couldn't keep it. So yeah. I think there's there's no love lost for that. And um, yeah, four forty through four two three one is what it will be at the weekend. I'm pretty sure on that one. Yeah, no, I think um, Reading Reading FC fans are having Vietnam flashbacks of thoughts of uh, that formation because that's what um, Paul Lintz was playing under us. And um, that was less than impressive, we will say. We'll yeah. just leave that there, not go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> um, so with, 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 with Hurst coming back in, though, one of the big things and the big problems was goal scoring. Um, you know, you're currently sitting 23 goals in 33 games. Still, you know, very, very low, really. That you would have thought will have to improve to, you know, to be be in with, you know, a chance of pulling away from relegation. What is what can Paul Hurst do apart from the obvious to change this and change things around? Because defensively, seemingly it's shoring up a little bit. I think you've only conceded four and five, which you know is 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 a lot better for Shrewsbury. But kind of going forwards. You, scoring more than one goal is often a big problem for Shrewsbury. What what really is can he do around that? That's a good question. And and this is where managers earn their money, right? They manage to find ways of making stuff happen so that the results improve. Um what I would say those five games are quite interesting, really, because his first game is away at Northampton, not not the easiest of games, and we managed to win. And we won playing pretty good football. We went at them in the second half. We simply kept the ball more. And that Classic is the basic fundamental bounce. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and not just a new manager, but a new manager that in, at our club has got, you know, genuine folklore. So there, there was a real feel good factor there. But we played well and we kept the ball. And if you keep the ball, you generally have a better chance of doing something with it. Now, I know there are counter-attacking teams and I, I get it. You can win games on 15% possession. And we tried that. Um, but we kept the ball more. And that inevitably means that you can look up and, and play forward. The next, well, we then drew at Derby. Now, I think most people would say drawing the derby is a decent result. I and mean, we didn't play too badly. They had more of the ball, but they're second in the league, right? Mm-hmm. And then Barnsley rolled into town. Yeah, another side really going for it. And and, and we all won the luck going into the 94th minute until 
one of our subs inexplicably decided to hack down someone in our own box, which wasn't the greatest of moves. So that's 1-1. So that's three out of five games, and they've been pretty positive. The other two are more problematic. We had one of those days where, um, let's just say, the, the ref dominated the game against uh, against Cambridge. And it just As they seem to love to do in League One. It's... Oh. <laughs> And I think Cambridge fans would probably agree. It just, you know, just broke the game up, made the game messy, centre of attention, and, and the game never got going. And we came out on the wrong side of that. Against Wigan, I thought we were much better, but but we couldn't score. And that, I mean, their keeper made us you know, a number of brilliant saves, but it's the same problem. We couldn't score. But we couldn't score with more of the ball. So my, my positive, if I was feeling in a positive mood, is that we're giving ourselves more chance to do that. We're getting it into Dan of those feet. He's a big bustling centre forward. And we're getting more people to him to hopefully be more creative. The end product so far, not been exactly what we want. But the next few games are not against Derby or Barnsley. They're, they're, and no disrespect to Reading, but they're, they're against teams around us. And we got Port Vale coming up. we got Carlisle coming up. We, we, we got a lot of the teams. So this is the business end, Matt. This is where it matters. This is where we see. I mean, I'll take one nils all the way. But this is where we see whether Jordan Shipley, Tom Bayliss, our, our creative players can really sort of earn their keep. Do you think then, because obviously the, the wins and good performances you've got, um, have been against the better sides. Do you think the way that Paul Hurst has started, you're almost better set up to play against those better sides that can be more or can try and be more expansive, leave more spaces? And then it's the weaker teams, I guess you could say, that sit deep, that you struggle to unlock? Yeah. Well, I think good teams at any level, like, and I play vets football in Berkshire, and I can tell you it's the same in the world of vets football. Good teams <laughs> struggle to score. Um, teams that want to be good have to score goals, right? They have to mm. find a way of winning the ball and being creative going forward. And that that is always going to be the issue. Now, with, with Derby and Barnsley, you know, we didn't run ragged, don't get me wrong, but they definitely came at us and left more space for us to play. And we're sort of still playing counter-attacking football there, but with a bit more confidence than we had before. Against Wigan, it's a different story. Wigan, Wigan they didn't come to just sort of spoil, but the game, you know, we ended up having a lot of the ball in the second half and we couldn't really do that much with it. Now, again, if I'm feeling positive, we've not been used to that happening this season. It, it's, it's sort of a new position for us, having, having a lot of the possession. Um, but I think ultimately the, the creative factor is the issue. What do we do when we've got 10 people in front of us? And the, the jury is, well, let's just say the jury's out with, with this. Mm-hmm. But then again, we've only had five games on the Hurst. And there is a, we do feel different, um, but we can't have 10 games and still only have one win. But will we go yeah. down if that happens? Mm-hmm. It's got to change and got to change quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting seeing the difference between Shrewsbury earlier in the season when we played you last and now, because I remember when we played Cheltenham the first time at the Medeski, they were shocking. They're one of the worst teams I'd seen. Second time we played them, different kettle of fish. They're actually yeah. probably one of the better teams I've seen this season, which sounds mad saying it's seeing the strange, isn't it? Oh, it relic- yeah. Mm-hmm. And Shrewsbury, likewise, you know, I, I I I don't think it was unfair to say that they were pretty poor that day, but with a new I think manager, we had enough of the ball. It was one of the days we had a bit more possession, but we did nothing with it. I, I, I remember I think it was when I was looking through the Salopcast Twitter and it was it was almost like just I don't think anyone believed that any goal was gonna come. And well, one of your guys helped out, didn't he? I can't remember which one did. it was. Ha- ha- yeah. Harvey Nibs, Harvey Nibs, very politely, kindly kept the ball in for 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 two for and to then, score. Yeah, yeah, and then Sam Hutchinson decided to just completely lose his marker and then throw a drop after the game. Um, yeah, yeah, just just it was just classic Reading FC fashion away from home back then. It was like, yeah, um, 
But, well, um, thinking about the way we play, it might, might be useful to watch out for the, the guys who are at the game on, on Saturday. I mean, we're going to be a threat mm-hmm. from set pieces. I mean, Shane Dunkley's mm-hmm. a big a big beast of a centre-half. Uh, and whoever plays... Yeah, Aaron Pierre is even bigger than Shea Dunkley. And he mm-hmm. scored a derby from a set piece. So, um, well, not, not quite from, from the second phase after a set piece. So, so we've got... We got a danger there. The other thing I was, we kept crossing it in against Wigan. We kept getting to that sort of 30 yards out and, and putting, they weren't loopy crosses, but we got one man in there to win those headers and he ain't he ain't ever going to do it unless he really strikes lucky. So we need to pass it in a bit more. We need to be a little yeah. bit sa- more savvy. I'm not mm-hmm. sure we will. So if we start crossing it in, Matt, then, you know, I think you'll be fine because I can't see us scoring too many goals that way. Well, we often leave quite a bit of space on the wings as well. Now, seemingly, we kind of like defend the 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 box. It's like that yeah. that what's it called? Modern the, thing. Um, yeah, yeah, where, where where you've got the V in front of the keeper and you just stay in within it. Um, yeah, so that 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 could be quite an interesting one to watch. Um, looking at players though, you've mentioned him, Shay Dunkley, probably a standout for you th- th- this season. Which it sounds odd again, being a saying that a defender is a standout in a struggling team. But, I mean, he's got, I think he's your second highest goal scorer at the moment. Um, might say something, obviously, about Shrewsbury goal scoring potentially up front. But four goals so far. He's a very goal scoring centre-back, though. Reading fans will probably remember him from his time at Oxford United, um, that, up, up the road at them. But has been a fantastic player for you, though, over the past couple of years. Yeah, but we've got to remember what his skill set is, right? And, and I, I buy into that. I mean, would I get rid of Shea Dunkley? Of course not. He, he's a store, he's captain. But he's kick it, edit centre-half, right? Mm. And... A lot of the time when we're really struggling, it, it, he gets the ball and he tries to play these long raking 50-yard passes. And I say, forget it. Forget it, man. It ain't working. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so we, we don't need Shea and Dunkley playing football. We, we need him to be passing it to the two midfielders in front of him. And the more that happens, the better we will be for it. So I think, I think Dunkley at times uh, has been trying to play too much football. And that might be because of Matt Taylor telling him to do that. But we need to. It needed to stop because that's not going to work. You know, whoever your centre halves are on Saturday, they'll just edit away. Um, so, so that that's a problem with Dunkley. That he was definitely part of our attacking thinking, and I, I never got it. I never saw the logic behind that. <laughs> and Jordan Shipley, Daniel Doer, another two kind of to, to 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 keep an eye out for. Any any players that you would pick out really as the the difference makers within this Shrewsbury team? Yeah, I mean, but, but you, you always look at forwards, don't you? I mean, who's going to score the goals? Well, Dan, Dan Ado, in theory, should should be that man. Shipley's a creative force, used to be at Coventry, um, as did Tom Bayliss uh, with Shipley. They've gone slightly different routes to get to us, but they they are um, our two main attacking threats. But in terms of a man to watch out for, I think we play much better when Carl Winchester gets his foot on the ball. He'll be one of the two holding midfielders. He's had a very average season under Taylor. He was pushed out to right wing back for a while. But um, he, he needs to, to control the ball, control the game, ideally, um, and he'll win a tackle or two. He, he likes to put his foot in. So Winchester's probably the man. If we're going to play well, he's got to be at the centre of it. If he's not in the game, and that's been a problem a little bit, then we're going to struggle. So so keep an eye on Carl Winchester. He's the barometer player in our team. Well, number seven for Carl Winchester, defensive midfielder. Keep an eye out for him, Reading FC yeah. fans. Um, Dan, you're actually obviously from the Royal County. In fact, you're not from Shrewsbury. Well, well, well you don't stay well, in Shrewsbury. Well, from Shrewsbury. No, I'm from Shrewsbury. Yeah. But you, you, you reside in the Royal County now, so you will be at the game this weekend, I do believe. That's right. Yeah, I, I last yeah. saw shoes we play at Elm Park when we do three all. Uh, you yes. know, over thirty years ago. So I'm looking forward. to I've not been to see the town at Majeski because I don't think we've ever played there. I think I'm right in saying that. You are indeed. The last time we actually played at Reading was 1992, February the sixth, I think it was. 
um so uh so yeah it's it's been quite a while um i think reading fans if you, you might remember it it was a 2-1 home win in division three um that game but um but but yeah it's been quite some time since we last played you what what are your expectations going into the game and score predictions i always go into games like this with like a sinking feeling Maybe it's because we're all we're nearly always the small club in games like this, and we're away from home, and we've got a much better record at home, and we have done for forty years than we have away from home. So I'm trying to be positive. Like my, my wife's going to drop me and my two eight year olds off, then go to the IKEA in Reading for the afternoon and come and pick me up. I don't do that anymore, Matt. Right? This is this is not. I don't get that because my club is like 150 miles away. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm really looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be nice to go to a you know a much closer game. Um, expectations. I, I think we will. Uh, we will definitely try and play. We'll be up for it. And I don't mean up for it as an up for a fight, but I mean, it, it's it's serious now, folks. We need, we need to get some points. We need to really get at it. And we've seen that across all five games. No one has been pointing the finger at town players for not looking like they care. They definitely do. And they will give it a go. So I think this will be pretty close for a while. And then I've got a horrible feeling you're going to score. And once you score, I, I don't know where we go from that. We're not very good at coming back once we've uh, once we've conceded the first goal. So being brutally honest, I expect Reading to win. Um, but I, I say that most times we go away from home, to be honest. So, so there's not that much new there. And you, you say that, but we were able to throw away a 2-0 lead again. We were winning 2-0, weren't we, I think? Was it 2-0? Yeah, you were. Yeah, either, you were. Uh, either way, we threw away a win in majestic that was, fashion. Yeah. So, so you yeah. never know, really. It's Reading FC at the end of the day. <laughs> well, I, would, I wouldn't go if I thought we really were 100% guaranteed to lose, would I? So, you know, you you're open-minded, <laughs> but you guys are not bad at home, right? You've certainly picked mm. up at home. Your form's much better than ours. Although, as I said earlier, I don't think we've been playing that badly and maybe luck will turn. But if I had to go either way, I'd say something like 2-0 Reading with the second goal coming quite late on as, we're, as Shea Dunkley's up front or something ludicrous like that. Fair enough. Well, I think Reading FC fans will take that. Let's hope for a for, for a good game, though, uh, for all accounts, really. Um, final question. Do you think you're going to stay up this season? I'm chancing it quite early on with a question like that, I know. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And we've all, you know, all time fans are sort of looking at the fixtures and doing these prediction things. Um, my eight-year-olds are divided on this. One says yes, one says no. Right. And they, they've been doing the prediction thing, but they're they're ridiculous. Like they had one result that was ten nil, so I had to, to rein them in. <laughs> I suspect that won't happen. Um, but, uh, but do I think I think ultimately we will? But I think it's going to be. I mean, our penultimate game is at the Valley, and Ooh. I think that, that already that's got the potential to be truly monumental. Uh, and our last mm. games against Leighton Orient, who, who will all they'll have nothing to play for. What does that mean? Is that good or bad? Yeah. Sometimes it's it's bad because they can just be relaxed. But do mm. I think we'll stay up? I think we will, but I, th I think it's going to be one almighty great slog. And it wouldn't surprise me if we stay up by one point. We ain't going to stay up by goal difference. Um, that's for sure, because our goal difference is awful. But I think we might just get there, but I ain't putting the mortgage on it. Fair enough. Well, obviously coming into this game, nineteenth in the table. Like I say, let let's hope for a for just just for a good game, really for for all for all involved. Um, Dan, thank you so much for joining us again um, on the Unpark Rules podcast. Pleasure having you guys on. If you want to keep up to date with the latest Shrewsbury Town content, go over to Salopcast on Twitter. Um, give them a follow. Give them a listen into the podcast as well. Good bunch of guys over there. So thank you for joining me today. No worries, Matt. Brilliant, and of course. 
Keep up to date with all the latest Reading FC content through Elm Park Royals. Give us a follow over on our socials, Facebook, Twitter. Um, obviously, give us a five-star review on your podcast of choice if you have enjoyed it. Helps us out in podcast rankings and everything on that. We will, of course, be back on Sunday reviewing the Shrewsbury game. Um, but until then, I've been Matt Lansley, and this has been the Elm Park Royals preview podcast. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>